Are you a member of Infendo's Discord? Head to the Question Block channel and ask us a question. Anything. We don't care. Ask us anything you want to ask us. We put the donkey in Donkey Kong. Infendo Radio is on now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Infendo Radio episode I don't know anymore. Um, I, I was going to say, if you've been listening to recent Infendo radios, you would know I haven't been around in like three weeks, so I'm all thrown off. But not only that, apparently we haven't hosted the show in like two weeks because we're having more website issues. So it's just a plethora of problems right now. But we're here. At some point in the future, you will be hearing this. So welcome, future traveler, to our wonderful show. Um, we got a show for you tonight. There was an indie direct that dropped like four hours ago or something like that. Um, we're going to try our best to talk about that and maybe a little bit about the Super Mario Bros. movie. But before we do that, I am joined by um, Eugene. I am joined by Justin. The ghost of Steve is floating around listening to us from beyond the pale. Uh, Justin, how you doing tonight? And my dog is over here leaning on me. Justin. You can't see because of the background. How's your dog doing tonight? And where can the people find your dog? Um, well, you can find her leaning on me at the moment. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at Infendo Justin and uh, the the DisneyParkBench.com and and all that good stuff. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, what about you, Eugene? Where can the people find you and all that good stuff? Well, um, <clears throat> first off, sorry that the podcast hasn't posted in a hot minute. Um, working to get that. Not that you would you know that he's apologizing if you know we don't have a podcast. <laughs> well, somebody's going to listen to this episode and then like be confused. You can go back and you know listen to the other ones, I guess. But uh, yeah, no, uh, you can find me on Infender.com. I am doing just fine. Thanks for asking, Lucas. How are you doing, by the way? Doing all right. Good to be back. Uh, sorry I was gone so long, but one week bled into another, and then. Last week I was planning on being back, and then I realized I had already made plans because I forgot that I do a podcast, so kind of had to call that off last minute. But I'm here now, back with a vengeance, um, and we got some stuff to talk about, so let's dive into it. Uh, there was an Indie Direct today, as was hinted at at the start of this show, um, and they talked about a bunch of indie games that are coming to the Switch in the fairly near future. I'm going to read those games in a list-like format, and we're going to jump in when we feel like it and talk about all of these games, or none of these games, depending on our level of interest. So uh, one of those games was called Mineko's Night Market. Um, uh, anybody have an interest in that one? It's apparently been in development for like seven years, so, you know, so, you know. It, it looked, looked like, like a, a weird, weird combination, combination of like, of like Animal, Animal Crossing, Crossing and I don't, I don't know what like, like a like a hack and slash RPG. RPG. I don't know. It looked, it looked interesting. So, so there's going to be a trend with, with me with, with this with indie showcase, showcase and, that's and that's lots of lots games, games that look interesting to me that I know I will never play, yeah. so I'm not going to get them. <laughs> yeah. Um, people are comparing it to Fantasy Life, at least here on IGN.com, which is not us, but the website that I'm looking at this list from. 
Um, Again, so that's, I have never played. I like it. It's a fun game for fun people. I think there's a sequel or like a port coming to Switch at some point. But yeah, I don't know. If it's anything like that, I might get into it. But I don't really, I don't know. And Eugene, did you? this was one of the cat ones, not the cat one you're waiting for. That's, that, it is that's, cat this adjacent. is not the cat I'm looking for. This is not the cat. It looks cool. I'm looking at it right now, just like kind of yeah. scrolling through this uh, article. But like, yeah, I don't know. Probably not for me um, unless like, you know. I get like a free code or something, but yeah, I don't think I'll be seeking this yeah. one out, you know? Hint, hint game devs. Um, the next one on my list is called my time at sand rock. Um, this one, I don't know. It didn't really interest me all that much, I guess. Um, it, it is a sequel to was it my time at Porsche. My time at the... yeah something like that. My time at Porisia, or I don't even know how to pronounce it, but yeah, uh, I've yeah. seen that on sale several times. Um, but you know, it's... again, it's one another one of those games that I know I'll never take the time to actually like play. So you know, <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'll probably never get it or try it. It looks to Sorry, be... Sorry, indie developers. <laughs> it looks to be kind of community building. You get to, like, build a workshop, customize your house, go out and collect supplies, that kind of stuff. Eh, yeah, I don't know. I could, I could kind of take it or leave it. That's the problem with these, these indie directs and us discussing them. I feel like nine times out of ten, our response is just, eh, you know, and... and no disrespect intended, like Justin is saying. It's just, you know, a lot of these games just aren't the ones we're, we're, we're looking for. We're waiting on bated breath for right now. So um, maybe Plate Up is more your style. Plate Up is kind of a... That was. Oh, was that the... It's like that, a like, roguelike. It's like a roguelike. Yeah. It looked yeah. like Overcooked to me. It that's did look what, like Overcooked. That's what IGN but... is calling it. It's calling it o- Overcooked oh, well, with roguelike mechanics. Yeah, so... Yeah, basically, you, you run around, you, you make pizzas and crap, and you build up your restaurant, and you have to survive 15 days on serving customers. It's a whole thing. It's got, like, competitive play online. It's a... I don't know. I, I don't really like arcadey games as much, so it's not my... my yeah, I've, I have overcooked... I played it once for like an hour a long time ago. <laughs> it looked it, this one looked interesting, but again, it, you know, kind of as with the theme, I just don't think I'll pick it up. I, it, if it looked like it would be cool multiplayer, does it have a multiplayer element or is it single player? It says player that only? it has okay, local cool. and online multiplayer. Yeah, it looked like it could be like you know a fun multiplayer game, but again, you know, like yeah. it just yeah. It's the kind of game I would get to play on a stream. You know, it's not the kind of game I would be playing for like my own sure. enjoyment as much as for like, oh, this would be fun to play on on video kind of thing. Uh, here's Eugene's game, Quilts and Cats of Calico. Yeah. It's, um, it's a board game that yeah. this is apparently like just straight up like a video game version of the board game where you're trying to build a quilt to attract cats. Never um, heard of the game before, but I like board games and I like cats. So, um, yeah, it looked pretty freaking cool to me. Yeah, I um, I play a lot of board games these days because I go to like a, a weekly game night kind of thing. I don't think I've ever heard of Calico, but um, it does, it, I don't know, it seems interesting. I, I, I think I'm going to be okay because a board game that I really want is coming to Switch next month um, in the form of Dokopon Kingdom. 
So that's probably going right. to eat up all my board game budget for like the year. But, you know, this one kind of does have Eugene written all over it. So I'm expecting you to pick it up. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I'm going to um, pick this one up for sure. I, I think that this is like one that is perfect for, you know, just sitting down with my wife when the kiddo goes to sleep type of thing and just kind of, you know, yeah. playing a few rounds. It looks cool. Uh, any of you guys play Crypt of the Necrodancer? Is that a fan favorite here? I I, I did like the... Um, I didn't play... What was the Zelda one? Um, yeah, Hyrule whatever. Melodies. Hyrule. I'm sure Steve's going to tell me here in a second. I played the Waltz original one of almost... To kingdom. Com- <laughs> I, yeah, I played the Crypt of the Necrodancer almost complete, to completion. I just didn't quite get into Cadence of Hyrule, thank you, Steve, quite as much for whatever reason. Um, it, just, uh, it just had a... When I'm playing a Zelda game, I want to play a Zelda game, you know? Like, so I, I played it... Are we waiting for me, or...? Uh, no, we're talking. Can you not hear I can't hear, hear anything. What okay. happened? Uh, Eugene, make him Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, no, so... I played the, um, the the Cadence of Hyrule, but just not to completion. So, I don't know. I, I This Rift of the Necrodancer looks cool. Look, It's definitely a different... Um, type of game you know obviously so we'll see we'll see i i want to wait for the reviews to come out on this one before i give it a go and obviously to see kind of how much it's going to cost because usually these ones are a little bit more budget price so we'll see yeah i i, I do have uh um i am interested though for sure it, it reminds me of the those harmonics games like the frequency amplitude rock band blitz where you know it's got the lanes but it's button based instead of instrument based yeah right um, yeah exactly so i played and relatively enjoyed cadence of hyrule um i've never tried crypt of the necrodancer because frankly the only reason i played cadence of hyrule because because it had a zelda theme to it you know um i'm not really interested in this one i'm not really interested in rhythm games that much so eh, no, eh. i am but my tv like i have not Slow. found the right settings to compensate for the latencies so should, rhythm games don't work well for me you should just try playing on a gamepad instead that might kind of solve the problem you mean like handheld yeah yeah i mean that does that does work uh significantly better but it's also like not what you like <laughs> it's not like usually most of my handheld gaming is done while watching tv and i can't play a music based rhythm game while having the volume turned almost all the way down hmm. well i mean you can just in the space you would normally play a game i guess just get headphones instead of you know sitting in front of the tv that might be the only way to do that or figure out your calibration settings on your tv or get a crt tv because then you're not going to have problems with that yeah that's that's what i want to do play my play my brand new high definition games in 480i on a 20 but i mean sounds like you're not set <laughs> sounds like you're not playing it at all so it's at least you can in that yep. scenario that's my solution not play at all well you <laughs> literally just kind of just said <laughs> so that I have, am i crazy here so other than playing tangent other than playing with steve when we like record every game i play has been on handheld since the switch came out and like I know that I'm missing like those pretty nice graphics that everybody talks about, but I just don't care, man. The ability to play in a handheld just completely one ups any desire to like 
set up an annoying wired system to my computer or a TV and, you know, play on the big screen. So I'm more than content yeah, with handheld. That... Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at, you know? It's like, it sounds like you're having all these issues with these rhythm games. It's like, just play it in handheld then if you're having trouble, right? Or, you know, use one of the other solutions because the solution that you have right now is not playing them at all, which is kind of sucks, you know? Well, I mean, that's that's mostly the solution because, like, the rhythm games that I have bought, Crypt of the Necrodancer, Cadence of Hyrule, and, uh, what was it, Fuser, was that harmonics, like, DJing game? Yeah. Like, uh. I haven't played any of them very much, um, other than the rare occasions I have played them handheld. So, you know, again, this is another one of those games that looks interesting. If it goes on sale for a significant amount, like Crypt They usually uh, do, has, yeah. I'll, yeah, I I'll picked probably it up for like, pick it up. But I think I picked up Crypt of the Necrodancer for like 99 cents right before Cadence of Hyrule came out or something like that, so. Yeah, I think it was like $3 at one point, and mm-hmm. I grabbed it then, but... I've gotten about $3 worth of gaming out of it, so. Yeah, yeah that uh, one's got potential. Animal Well. <laughs> um, this is another one that got announced. It's kind of a, I, I don't know, would you call this a dungeon crawler? It's just kind of like a, a pixelated dungeon crawlery romp through a giant labyrinth kind of thing. Um, I kind of kind of glossed over this one. I'll be honest. I didn't really. It's just a pixelated yeah, kind of adventure game. Um, it doesn't really do anything big for me, so it's not really on my radar. But it exists, coming in early 2024. Uh, crime O'Clock is a crime-solving game that looks to be kind of cutesy, I guess. Um, oh, is that the rabbit? Yeah, it's the rabbit. Okay, kind of has like a time travel mechanic. I spaced out around this point because yeah. I remember that being announced, but nothing about it. Yeah, yeah I, I, I didn't a, really you know. didn't tickle me. Yeah, um, Shadows of Overloathing is a sequel to West of Loathing. Um, so interesting. I have one. West of Loathing. I haven't played it yet, but that is a game that I've been wanting to play. And if I do ever get around to playing it and beating it, I will probably end up uh, getting this one because so, uh, those games are supposed to be really kind of goofy and fun. So mm-hmm. West of Loathing is a phenomenal game that I did not support. Because like a 18-year-old Gen Zer, I watched Markiplier play the entire thing instead of buying it myself. Um, but it is a fantastic little game. Super funny, super cool, super creative. So I have no doubt that um, Shadows Over Loathing will be equally super funny and cool and creative and everything that you mm-hmm. want to see from it. So, yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd I have a little interest it. in watching other people play video games. Yeah, well. Like, at that, at that point, fever. I may as well be watching TV. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why I watch people play video games, because it's like watching right, TV. But I, <laughs> but I can watch a non-interactive thing on TV. Why, exactly. Why, I, I don't see the interest. I don't have any interest in watching something interactive that I can't interact with. That's Justin, just, some people me, think that Transformers is a good movie. You know, like everybody's <laughs> got their own opinions, okay? Yeah, to, to me, it's, it's really no different than watching a TV show. You're either watching Barney and the other guys from that one show that I don't remember the name of date women and navigate the perils of living in your 
movies or you're watching some dude play a video game for like 30 minutes either way it's a, it's a thing you know like it's i all... don't i don't know what either of those are uh, what is it? how <laughs> anyway. i met your mother that's the show i've never watched it oh yeah um, tesla grad 2 is a game that i have no interest in it but apparently people are really psyched for it anybody what here play that? tesla grad I don't know what that is. It what, looks really interesting, but again, I never played the first one, so I don't know if I'd ever, you know, put any time into this one. According to oh, IGN.com, Teslagrad, yes, Teslagrad 2 is a physics-based puzzler in which you harness electromagnetic powers to make progress. Um, yeah, I and there's a remaster of the original, it. so, yeah. Uh, oh, in the vein, interesting. In the vein of secrets, Blasphemous 2 has its first trailer and release window. Uh, Blasphemous is another game that exists that I know nothing about. Apparently it's a Metroidvania, and Blasphemous 2 will probably follow suit. But I don't play a lot of indie games, so I have nothing big to say about this one. <laughs> yeah, never played them either this uh, the first one, or I guess I'm not that excited about the second one, so I don't know. Hopefully it excites some people. Um, Oxenfree 2. definitely too. a lot of sequels to games that we've never played in this. Like Oxenfree 2. Uh, this is supposed to be... Oxenfree is supposed to be a fairly good game. The thing I know played about Oxenfree... Is that you can also buy a game on the Switch called Ali Ali, and then you own Ali Ali and Oxenfree, <laughs> which is a fun thing to Are have. Are they the same developer? I don't know. But anyway, Oxenfree 2 a, exists. It's just a fun joke. Yeah, no, yeah. I. Uh, and IGN.com says this is the biggest news out of today's Indie World Showcase. So, like. I mean, the trailer made it look interesting, and it kind of made me want to try Oxenfree once. The nice thing about these indie games is a lot of them, especially the story-based ones, can be finished in, like, under six hours. So or if watched I ever on wanted YouTube to, in under two. So, so if I ever wanted to play these, these games, um, you know, I could actually make the time for them what was the a, a short hike or whatever is another one of those games that can be beaten really quickly um yeah. that has gotten rave reviews that i've you know haven't devoted the time to yet but probably will someday the only reason um, i know of oxen free is because <clears throat> i played that game on netflix because you could Oh, cool. yeah. It's actually published by Netflix. It's uh, Netflix mm -hmm. and Night School Studio. So, you know, huh. check that out, I guess. Netheads. Is that what you call yourselves? Netheads? <laughs> that sounds right. Um, anyway, there's one more. Five Nights at Freddy's uh, Security Breach. If you follow Five Nights at Freddy's at all, then you probably know that this is one of the not-so-good games. This was the first game the where the original creator... Yeah, it's a scary bear man. Um, so the original creator sold the rights to it, and this was the first game that the new company tried to make. It's their most ambitious one because it's like an act. So, so if you've never played Five Nights at Freddy's before, um, you have good taste. 
but also it is a <laughs> game. It's actually well, it's well designed. I, I kid, but it's well designed. You're you're in a room and you have like a, two doors on each side, and you know you got to close the doors, and the monsters come and try to kill you, and you make it to the end, and you win. It'd be a great flash game in like the year 2000, but it's well designed because of its simplicity. And then over the years, they got more and more complex, and they kind of muddied the formula a little bit, and you know they they kept trying new things and new ways to do it, but it's always kind of followed that idea of like you're you're in a room and you're you know utilizing the tools at your disposal kind of out of necessity because the guy is like a solo indie dev who didn't have a lot of money didn't have a lot of resources he actually made five nights on the same tool that i grew up learning how to use multimedia fusion um which is a fairly basic tool but um security breach is like a 3d adventure game where you're going around this giant theme park and trying to get through all these different events and mini games and hide from animatronics as they're chasing you in open lobbies and stuff and it didn't really eh, land with a lot of people so um, the whole series is on Switch, I think, at this point. So if you're interested in any of these games, you can get them. I, I have a bunch of them because my kids wanted them. And, yeah. you know, it's one of those where one of these days I'm going to try it because it looks interesting. But haven't, you know, like, it might be one of those Halloween games one of these years. If you try the it, way start you with the first it, one. Yeah. The, the way you described it is completely opposite of what I thought this game was. So, like, I can yeah. be interested, I guess. So, Security Breach is kind of a story-based game, which is weird. Like, it's still got all the, the mini-games and the jump scares and the running from monsters and stuff. But it also has, like, a lot of plot, and the plot is kind of messy. The original game is just kind of a nice little, like, you know, you put it on for an hour, you try to survive a few nights, and, you know, you end up getting jump-scared kind of thing. So, I don't know. Just just take your pick. They're pretty cheap. They're all on Switch. Now this one is, too. So if you want to try it, you can. I might end up trying this one at some point, just because, again, this is another one I watched Markiplier play the entire thing of, and I don't know. It was fun to watch him. I don't know if it's really going to be any fun to play, but it's, it exists. Um, there were a few other games that got announced, but these are like the minor leagues, apparently, because IGN doesn't have any write-ups on any of them, so I'm just going to go down the list real quick. Paper Trailer, Little Kitty Big City, Chance of Senar, Brotato, Escape Academy Complete, and Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. So um, I'm assuming we don't have anything to say about any of those, because we kind of seem to have tapered off toward the end of this direct. Any big Brotato uh, yeah, fans yeah, that, in the that, audience? No? Familiar. Okay, cool. Um, all right, well then, let's pivot our discussion. Did we already talk about the uh, the Little Cat Big City? Uh, that was on the list that I just went over. Would you like to discuss it? Okay, I, I, I missed that. Just, uh, just the, like, if there was any one game in the on the showcase that I actually am probably going to get and play, uh, that's that's one it looks like kind of like an open world um like sandbox no pun intended untitled um, goose game mixed with what's yeah mixed with untitled goose game so that that kind of checks a bunch of boxes for me so i'll probably give that a try when it comes out it's available on steam so you know it's a it's a known game at least cool yeah um none of these really you know, none of these diverted my attention. None of these made me say, ooh-wee, gotta, you know, 
that's the next one on my list kind of thing. So I don't know. Sure. I'll probably check them out of the eShop at some point and see if any of them really do tickle my fancy, as it were. But I think I'm pretty much like locked in on the next few games that I'm going to want to get. So I'm pretty good. All right. Well, um, want to talk a little bit about the Mario movie, and then we'll jump into Change the System. Uh, two of us have seen it at this point. One of us hasn't, so Eugene might be kind of quiet. But I don't know. You want to just kind of give like a, a two-minute review with me, Justin? We'll just kind of talk about Yahoo! the feelings. Sure. Um, I, I think it really kind of like everything that I've been saying in the build-up to this movie is what it ended up being. Like it was. You can't really call it a good movie. It wasn't a good movie. It was pretty formulaic and, and you know, predictable. But it was fun. And the the cast were having fun. And there were just tons of references to the games and, and, and franchises and everything. Um, yeah, it definitely had the humor of a, you know, Illumination movie. Like, there, there were a lot of jokes that, that were Mario-related. And then there were a lot of jokes that were you know just character related like they tend to do fortunately there wasn't any like gross out or fart humor or anything like that so it's pretty uh tame in that respect i really enjoyed it i will watch it again it's not a great movie but it was it was good fun and it was a good mario movie which i think is the most important thing and i'm hoping for a sequel justin says you there can't call it a great movie I disagree. I thought it was a really good movie. I went into it um, cautiously. I like to use the phrase cautiously pessimistic a lot. Me and Steve have been tossing that out about upcoming stuff. And um, that's kind of how I went into the Mario movie. I figured this is probably going to feel very cheap, cash-grabby, by-the-numbers kind of, you know, movie. But they actually put a lot of heart and soul into it. Um, it yeah, reminded well, I mean, me... Like yeah. Like, if you wanted to put this up against, like, actual, like, well-thought-out, well-written movies, it's not gonna, it's not gonna fare well, like, story-wise, but, yeah, I mean, like, it's not, it was, it's it not, was well, it's it was well-made. It's not art, but for a popcorn yeah. flick, it's a very good popcorn flick. How, um, exactly. how does the story compare to Shawshank? Uh, it's a little below Shawshank, but it's a little above Terminator 2, so it's right in that sweet spot, I would say. <laughs> Um, All right, good. So, no, That's what the, I'm to hear. the um, my biggest criticism, I think, with the movie was the decision to make Luigi the damsel in distress because my favorite part of the movie was the first 15 minutes where Mario and Luigi are together as brothers. And, like, so, so the movie opens up with Mario and Luigi getting a plumbing gig and starting their career as plumbers and running off to this job and doing the job and hijinks ensue. And then like Mario getting a lecture from his very Italian family who lives in like the Bronx with him. And then him and Luigi discovering the Mushroom Kingdom. And all of that felt like it was straight out of Super Show, like the, the old 90s cartoon. Like it felt really good. And watching Mario and Luigi interact like that was really nice. And I wish we got more of that because at that point they split off and Luigi is captured by Bowser and Mario ends up in the Mushroom Kingdom and he has to team up with Peach and Toad and eventually others to save his brother and the world. And um, that was fine, but I thought that um, their version of Mario and Luigi had a lot of chemistry and I kind of wish we could have seen more of it, honestly. Like it was really fun. I, that was yeah. my favorite part. 
and and even Luigi, like on his own, didn't get a whole lot of screen time either. I, I mean, I am, um, story wise, inclusion wise, etc. I I like the fact that they didn't just make Peach the damsel in distress, but I do wish, like you did, that that there was some more actual Mario Brothers, um, moments. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought Chris Pratt was 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 great. I he if was. you didn't tell me if it was Chris Pratt, I wouldn't have known it. He did well enough. I um, would say really none of the celebrity voice actors. So I have a thing against like like I I don't care if you're gonna hire a bunch of celebrities to do these voices, but I usually notice that they just don't sound as good. And I don't think that was the case in this movie. Most of the celebrity voice actors sounded fine. Even like Jeff Seth Black Rogen, was phenomenal. Yeah, even Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong, he still did a decent Donkey Kong. You know, he he did his own thing with Donkey Kong. It didn't feel as, like I was I, watching a Seth Rogen movie. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, there was apparently a lot of criticism of his Donkey Kong voice, and, like, it, it didn't sound like Seth Rogen, it didn't sound like Donkey yeah. Kong, it was, it, it was serviceable. Um, I thought, I thought Mario was good, maybe not fantastic, but, like, as, as I've pointed out, nobody wants to hear that, that ridiculous high-pitched yeah by the way charles martinet two cameos in the movie he plays a character who has like two lines and speaks exactly like mario in the game and then he also plays mario's father so he they did get a chance to to put him in the movie but yeah i thought for all the flack chris pratt got i thought he he was yeah he was good as mario anya whatever her name is was was good as peach i I can't wait to see another one. Keegan Michael um, Key, I love him. He did and a really he good was toad. great as Toad. I would have liked yeah. to see more Toad too, actually. Um, I think my biggest criticism coming out of the movie, and this is kind of a minor criticism, I think my biggest criticism was every scene felt like it could have used one or two more lines of dialogue, and you could tell they wanted to shoehorn in a lot of stuff. So they go from scene to scene like real quick. Like, like there's, there's, there's stuff where it's like, all right, we got to go. And Mario's run into the warp pipe and all the toads are like, who's that guy? And she's like, he's no one. Let's go. And then they just go. And then it's like, all right, we got to get to Donkey Kong to get their help. And then they just play like take on me and, and they're driving up to Donkey Kong. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Weird. They could have used, they could have used a lot more like, and I know it's made for children. So they have to jump from scene to scene before the kids get bored. Well, and it's also made for eighties kids. So they have to put 80s music in it. <laughs> but I really I really would have liked just another like three or four lines to get a little bit more like, you know. So Princess Peach had like a real like like I'm the best thing ever thing going on with her character. And you could tell they were trying to like overcompensate from like the damsel in distress look and make her this like really like, you know, uh, like she does the obstacle course and she's like, don't worry, nobody gets it on the first time. And Mario's like, well, you got it, right? She's like, yeah, I aced it on the first time and stuff. And then there's like this one scene where she's like a little vulnerable and it's like I've never known who my parents are kind of stuff and then they immediately cut away from that and it's never brought up again kind of thing like there's all kinds of like little bits like that where I would have liked just a little bit more like character in the movie where they could have fleshed it out a little bit more yeah but you you know you know what it is you know like it's their first time and they're trying to cram everything they can into it and I gotta say by the time the movie was over I felt like I had been through for like a half an hour. Like I did not feel like my, my time was wasted. I didn't feel like I was like, boy, how much longer is this thing going to go on? What, All of a sudden, it's the over. The movie's like just over ninety minutes long, and it's rare for even animated movies to be that short nowadays. But it didn't feel too short, 
and it yeah. definitely didn't feel too long. Yeah, it was good. For a minute, I was nervous that the... Because, you know, they kind of do, like, an ending, and then, like, the ending ending. And I was kind of nervous that the ending was going to be the ending, and then it wasn't. And then they had, like, the final scene and everything. And I thought that kind of wrapped it up nicely, nice and neat and everything. And then, of course, there's an after credit scene where they tease a sequel and all that stuff. So, like, you know, it was, it was good. I had a really good time with it. I think it's probably my favorite video game movie. Um, Sonic 2 was really good. I have um, not seen ton- Sonic Sonic 2 yet, um, but yeah, I would put this up there with like the first Mortal Kombat as, as as like one of the better video game movies I've seen. Yeah, it was it was definitely really good. Um, definitely, I think beat out Detective Pikachu for me. I think it. Oh, I forgot about Detective Pikachu. I did enjoy that, but that was more of a movie than a Pokemon movie. Yeah, and the first Sonic movie was kind of the same. It was more of a movie than a Sonic movie. The second one really played into the fan service a lot more. Um, but this one was just, it was very obviously a Mario movie. It was trippy seeing Nintendo's logo, um, seeing like <laughs> Miyamoto in the credits, and there you had a little section for dedicated yeah. <laughs> to Iwata and everything. And like, it felt like yeah, a Nintendo Yeah, I thought product. it was great that they credited him. Yeah, yeah, it was sweet. And it it just, it felt like a Nintendo product, like, from beginning to end. Like Justin was saying before the show, there's, like, a thousand references from, like, the opening shot, which is, like, Little Max Cafe, to, like, the very end of the movie. There's just, like, little, little references and cameos and crap just littered throughout the movie. So it was was really good. It was, uh, it was a good time. I've already got it preloaded for when it comes out on digital so I can rewatch it. Like, I, I thought it was phenomenal. I had a really great time with it. So what we're saying, Eugene, is go see it. <laughs> I saw it in 3D, by the way, and totally, totally worth seeing in 3D, especially since, you know, probably won't be a 3D home version. I saw it in 2D, but I saw it in IMAX at the theater I used to mm. work at, and they had these little question mark block tins for popcorn, and they are phenomenal. So, okay, you so know. <laughs> question about IMAX. Yeah. Uh... So there are two different ways that they show movies on IMAX. One way is they just show the movie on an IMAX screen. Mm-hmm. And it just happens to be bigger. And the other is where they open it up so it fills the entire IMAX screen height and width and everything. Was it expanded for the whole screen or was it just the regular widescreen movie but bigger? I didn't notice. I don't always pay attention to that kind of stuff. I didn't pay attention to that. I just watched it and it looked pretty. Okay, then. You're welcome. So I don't know whether I missed out on anything or not. <laughs> eh, probably not. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather see it in 3D than IMAX, but I'd rather see it in IMAX 3D if that's an option. See, so, and I, I don't like 3D in my movies. I feel like, I'm, I'm well, first off, the double glasses thing is annoying. And I don't know, it just, it, it bugs me. It feels like the whole movie, I'm like, what does it look like without it? What does it look like with? What does it look like without, you know, that kind of thing. I so, like watching I movies know. at home. Yeah, there you go. Right off my cell phone. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I've got the. I do the, still have uh, my 3D TV. I, I've got the uh, Blu-ray pre-ordered from whichever location gave me the star tin because I wanted the one with the star. I think it's Best Buy. Mm, nice. <laughs> God. Yeah, I think I'm gonna end up pre-ordering the movie myself because I will like this is a movie that I could definitely just turn on in the background and and half watch. Now I will say, despite all of that. I still really, really like the 80s one. Like, I like it for all the wrong reasons, but I love the old movie. I really like it. So this did nothing to, like, 
push that one away for me. It's just another another classic to add to the library. Like, I enjoy it for what it is, but it's definitely not a Mario movie. It is just an enjoyable, weird-ass movie. <laughs> Hard disagree, Bo. Hard disagree. Every time I see a bob in a game, I think he's got a little Reebok sticker on the bottom of his shoe. Trust the fungus. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, oh, man. I need to go rewatch that I, thing again. Even though I'm I've probably going to end up watching it. I want to rewatch it, too, yeah, honestly. It's really, it's really good. Um, all right, want to talk about Change the System and do that whole shebangy bang I'm just going to wrap this up right now and say the Super Mario Brothers movie is my Change the System. I have pretty much nothing Jeez. new to, to discuss. So, well, That makes it easy. Well, Eugene, I've been off for like four weeks, so I should probably go last because okay, probably going to eat up a bit of time. Yeah, fair enough. Um, Or go first so that we know whether we have to end early. (laughs) Well, actually, it's going to work out just famously because much like you, Justin, I haven't been playing a whole lot except for Pokemon Go. And I got me some Togetic. Togetic? Togetic. I did the event. Okay. Okay, I am going to to add one thing to my non-existent change of system. I have also been playing Pokemon Go because I discovered that they uh, put a Pokestop at the intersection just uh, Ah. beyond my backyard. So Mm. when I walk the dog, I can spin a Pokestop. Now, I've forgotten to do it the last day or two, so I lost my streak. But once I get my either charge my uh, Pokeball Plus or get my <clears throat> Pokemon Plus Plus or whatever the hell they're calling it, then I'll be able to uh, to do all of that. Yeah. Nice. No, I've been, I've been reluctantly into Pokemon Go, although I've been playing it a lot less. Um, I, how do I say this? been giving Niantic a lot less money. Because they did raise the prices on the um, remote raid passes, so that's a bummer. Um, Plus, suck. I'm (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's the second time the prices have gone up too, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I'm just not gonna give them that money no more. So like, if you're uh, inviting me to remote raids, sorry, I ain't got the money for that. That's too expensive. Plus, plus, here's the thing, you know. If I'm going to pay $3 for a damn remote raid pass, I better be catching that damn Pokemon. You, It's not even a guarantee that you're going to catch mm-hmm. the Pokemon after you do the raid, you know? And that's even yeah. more frustrating. So, yeah. yeah, I ain't about that yeah. life no more. I ain't paying for remote raids. Um, and Niantic used to give you a free yeah. one every day during the pandemic. Remember that? Like, oh my gosh. So... Here's my biggest issue. Raids just aren't a factor for me in these games. I never get legendary Pokemon because nobody in my area does raids. Like, if they do, it's all, like, pre-organized stuff on Facebook. I can never just roll up to a raid and have a group of people, like, participating in them. So I would like some kind of, like, single-player alternative. You know, I'd like to be able to spawn a collection of, like, computers or something to help me take down a raid. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's that unreasonable. Or the raids should... Um, like adjust to how many people are yeah. are yeah. raiding. Like like there should be the option for a single player raid, and it makes it as difficult as it needs to be for only one yeah. person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like I should be able to participate in the highest level raids without you know 
without being basically excluded from it because I don't have a crew that plays Pokemon Go. And now I or can't even you do don't it with like Eugene money. because they're yeah. raising the yeah because they're raising the price. Like I would pay money if it let me do it myself. I'd buy like a five dollar raid pass. I'm giving them horrible ideas right now, but I would buy like a five dollar raid pass if it let me raid by myself and have a chance at a legendary. You know that would be that'd be fine with me. But they don't even give me that. You know it's like you have to know people to to do these things. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a it, it takes you out of the game. You know it's like I don't want to I don't want to do that. So I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely is a bummer. I'm glad that they walked back some of their. Um pandemic uh you know stuff that they had going on like the i don't know if you guys remember but like for um, you know two weeks they reduced the amount of uh, you you had to get closer to a pokestop basically to spin it um yeah. and then they walked that back um because the fan outcry so i'm kind of hoping that there's maybe you know enough fan outcry about the remote raid passes but we'll see mm-hmm. um i did end up giving them well you know they're gonna mm-hmm Go on. Oh, uh, I think we may have lost Lucas, or at least on <laughs> my end. Um, I, I, I guess I guess Lucas will finish that sentence when he unfreezes. <laughs> yeah, Am I, I, I was for you guys. Yeah, oh, you froze up for just a second. You're back now, but you, you are you're back yeah. in uh, in full force. I'm sure I'm gonna have to fix that in post. But anyways, yeah, what I was gonna say is the um, I, I I I don't know, like the. The ability to remote raid when that first happened, that was pretty revolutionary, you know? Like, and they made it so that it wasn't like, you know, yeah, I still was giving them a little bit money here and there, but like, you know, they would give me a free one every day or maybe it was every week, but you know, still, you know, like there was at least some way where me as a person who doesn't want to spend all my money on Pokemon Go could, you know, have a good time with all of the features of the game. Now it's to a point where if you don't want to give Niantic money, you're kind of out of luck, you know, and that's, that's a bummer, yeah. especially for people who are rural, especially for people who may be handicapped, you know, like that who just cannot get out and, you know, do, but they still want to enjoy yep. the game. Like that's, it's just a bummer, man. It really is. Yeah. So they're really um, killing their own game, which is why I didn't play it for the longest time. Sure. Well, and that's the problem. It, if they keep doing this, you're going to lose players. You know, it's going to eventually the game is going to die. You know, and it, it's had an extremely long life for a mobile game because it's compatible with Pokemon. You know, because you can mm-hmm. catch rare Pokemon and put them into your game and stuff. But eventually, people are going to get sick of this stuff. You know, they can only push it so far. I feel like, and they're really right. pushing it. And it's a bummer too because I've really gotten into. Um, so the only other thing about my change of system that I'll talk about, which is unfortunately also Pokemon Go related, is I've been doing the Niantic Wayfarer. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that, but it's basically um, you can go and rate people's suggestions for Pokestops. You can also go and recommend your own suggestions for Pokestops. I think you have to be a level 40 or above on Pokemon Go or something like that to actually do that. But um, I've been doing that and I have actually gotten two nominations accepted. Um, I'm going through the appeal process on a couple of the other ones. But yeah, it's, it's interesting because what you do is, you know, you go out, you take a picture of what you think would be a good candidate for a Pokestop or a gym, the community then goes votes on it. And if the community votes good, then it goes to Niantic. And then 
Mr. John Niantic either gives it a yes or a no, and then you got yourself a Pokestop. So I have um, a Pokestop like right outside my mailbox now. Like I can walk less than five minutes and you know get a Pokestop, which is really cool. It's really nice. And I'm trying to get that all around my neighborhood. But at the same time, like Niantic, I want to love your game so much, but like you're, I, I just can't when you're making it so hard. Like you're in a, you're an abusive. I'm in an abusive relationship with Niantic, and I cannot get out. Well, that that is a perfect segue for me. If you'd like me to start talking about the games I've been playing, yeah, get it. <laughs> I've been in some abusive gaming relationships. Um, so. Like I said, I've been on a, a vision quest of gaming here because I've been playing a lot of things and I kind of want to cover them with you guys because some of them have been very interesting. When I first stopped, like the, the week that I was not doing the show, I was playing um, Fallout New Vegas and that is a phenomenal game right up until it's not. And it frustrates the crap out of me because what you basically have at this point is a game that is designed so interestingly with so much replayability and so much good character design and just like the the option to interact with with the world in so many unique ways every time you play the game that it's almost limitless but the game is marred by technological problems that consistently mm. get worse the more you play it and the newer the hardware gets it's trying to keep up with it um to the point where it is crashing on me every time i get into combat now so um i spent a good two days That's trying to fix it I modded it with all the mods that the community says you're able to mod it with, and I go in and I try the game and it crashes in the exact same spots. Um, so I quit. I, I officially uninstalled it and I said, I just, I can't play, you know, maybe someday they'll make a remake of it, but I just can't play this game anymore, you know? I love it, but it's, it's just becoming impossible to get into. Um, and it's frustrating, you know, because you never know when you're going to lose what you've been doing and you got to save every like five minutes. And it used to be it only crashed when you would like open a door and go into a new area. But now it's crashing in the middle of like combat, which is everywhere in a game like this. So um, I gave up on that, unfortunately. I tried to get into Fallout 4, but Fallout 4 is very... Um, much not Fallout New Vegas. It's very linear. It's one? the newest one is seventy six, which is kind of like a it's, it's, oh. it's an online game. Okay, but yeah, I guess the newest Fallout one besides was, that then. Yeah, Fallout Four was I think built on the Skyrim engine, so it's newer. But Skyrim's like eleven years old, so do with that what you will. Um, it's a good game if you want to play like a first-person shooter set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, but once you've played a game like New Vegas, it just kind of pales in comparison for me. And I went into it thinking I'm going to be kind of a bad guy, and you kind of are almost forced to be a good guy just by choice, you know? It's like all of your dialogue options basically lead to the same outcome, and there's not really a lot of variance on what you can do in a quest, and it just kind of kind of limiting so i tried that for a while and then i discovered a hidden gem that i did not know existed the outer worlds which is a game by obsidian which is the company that made fallout new vegas um it is really freaking cool so it's I have that a game on game Pass. Um, it's, it's a, isn't that the the you should um play it yeah i've played a little bit of it it's it's weirdly i get that like, confused though with it, outer wilds which Wilds, one is this? Is this yeah. the space one? Is this Outer Wild or Outer Worlds? Well, 
They're both, so they're both space ones. Oh, um, no. The Outer Wilds, I've played a little bit of that. That is a, that is a first-person exploration game with a very open-ended storyline where you're trying to solve a mystery and you're constantly being thrown back in time. Really cool game. Um, play it for yourself because it's definitely worth playing. Uh, but this is The Outer Worlds. This is basically Fallout New Vegas in space, but developed by more of an indie budget. So a little bit smaller, a little bit less expansive. I think that's But the very interesting. Played. It takes place... So it takes place in a universe, um, it's a solar system that's basically corporately owned, and there's all these different corporations that run it. And like the first guy that you meet when you, you come out of stasis, this mad scientist, Doc Brown kind of guy, brings you out of stasis, and you meet this guy who's like dying, this soldier guy. And like halfway through his dialogue tree, he's like, oh, I almost forgot. Spacer's choice. It's not just a good choice. It's Spacer's choice. And he's like coughing up blood because he's like a corporate lackey and he has to give his little corporate jingle before he, he has a conversation with you. And then you learn that like in this this like 2070 or whatever time period, and I think it's actually like the 2200s, like this, this entire solar system is dictated by these corporations that put like profit ahead of people. So it's got a very interesting, <laughs> very interesting decision tree. Um, there's this whole segment in the first area where you have to choose between a colony that's left this really crappy, like, you know, civilization or like the factory. But by abandoning the factory, you're not just hurting the corporation, you're hurting the workers kind of thing. And like a lot of moral decision making and story trees and everything. Um, really fun. I've been having a lot of fun with it. It's been, uh, been an interesting game. Really scratches the Fallout New Vegas fix. Um, they are working on a sequel that they have said nothing, literally nothing about. The trailer is basically a joke trailer. It, it says, like, a bright flash opens on a monster you'll never see in the real game as music swells. You know, like, that's, like, the whole trailer. So, like, they've announced there's a sequel coming, but they've said absolutely nothing about it. Um, but it's cool. It's, it's worth playing. I don't think it's worth playing on Switch. Maybe on, um, like, TV. But on handheld, which is where I've been playing it, it is very blurry. You can tell that they're trying to, to make it run on Switch, and they're not doing a good job. Hard. So play it on Game Pass. Like, it's it's got to it, be better on Game Pass. It amazes me how well something like um, No Man's Sky runs on the Switch. Yeah. When some of these other games just, just become a blurry, low-res, pixelated well, mess. So unfortunately, Obsidian has always been a company that's been amazing at making games from a game design perspective, but pretty bad at it from a technical perspective, which I think is why we have kind of the issue that we have now with some of these older games. Um, and I think that's kind of the issue with The Outer Wilds. It's a well-made game. It doesn't crash or anything like that, like New Vegas does. Maybe in 10 years it'll start doing that. I don't know. But... Um, you can tell it's just it's pushing the switch to its absolute limit and it's not it's not performing the way that it was meant to perform on this system so i can't in good conscience recommend it on switch i've never played it on tv i've only played it in handheld so maybe it's a much better experience but um i would recommend playing it on another system personally or at least like reading a review about it before you, you jump in on switch because it's fine i'm getting through it but it's real blurry like like signs mm -hmm. don't become visible until you're like right in front of them kind of blurry so um, but that's the Outer Worlds. I would recommend it if you're looking for just kind of an interesting 
RPG that allows you to make moral choices and everything. It's it's fun. It's a cool game. I'm, I'm liking it a lot. Um, but I've been playing other games, and i got to get through these kind of quick, so let me strap in here. Um, I've been playing Mario The Lost Levels on the NES, which is Mario 2 from Japan. Uh, the thing that I like about it is that it saves your progress from world to world, so I can just save state wherever I am, and I'm not a dirty cheater because... You know, I can always just boot up at 7-1. So I've been playing it as legit as possible while also allowing the game to not turn off when I turn it off. I'm currently stuck in World 7 because World 7 is really hard, but it's been fun. I've been enjoying it, and I want to get through it at some point. So that's on my bucket list of games to complete at some point. I um, feel like I actually beat that on the Game Boy uh, yeah. when they had the, what was it, the... The Super Mario Brothers Deluxe on the Game Boy Color. I think I beat yeah. it on that. Yeah, it's tough. It's fun, but it's tough. Um, you know, the temptation to save state your way through, like, levels is there, but so far I've been able to avoid that, and that feels good, because I kind of want to beat it, like, as legitimately as possible while also not having to start the whole game over I'm, when I turn it off. I think I've so. only ever beaten that, like, with Game Genie on, like, Super Mario yeah. All-Stars <laughs> with, like, um, Moon mm -hmm. Jump turned on and, you know, like, all of those cool things. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the, the, the game hates you and wishes pain upon you. Oh, yeah, it's it's real, it's hard. real rough. Yeah. But in a but it's but it's also really satisfying when you finally clear, like, a castle and everything and you get to the next world. Just this feeling of like, oh, I did the thing, you know, feels real good. So I've uh, been playing that, been liking that. Um, I also played the other day a fan-made version. Did you guys ever play Pokemon Master Quest, the board game, when you guys were, I guess you would have been teenagers maybe? Not me. So it's a real cool. I didn't know such cool, a thing existed. Really cool <laughs> board game. So like you're on the board and you got your little guy and you start with a Pokemon token and you go up and you catch Pokemon and you build a team and you take on gyms and you go to the Elite Four. But it's also for babies because it's basically just a dice rolling simulator. So somebody had the genius idea of making a version that's like a real board game. And I played that with my board game friends last week. And it was so much fun. And it took us five hours. And I won. And it was really cool. Um, it's a lot of fun. I, I played it on Tabletop Simulator. I do not know the name of the, like, add-on mod, whatever, that you have to get. But I am pretty sure that it's free. Because it's just a version of a game that already exists for sale. Um, I have a lot of nostalgia for that game. If you do, I recommend trying to find it because it was really cool and I had a really good time with it. Um, but that's kind of all I've got to say about that one. And then the last game, the game that I've been putting a lot of time into, the game that's been eating up my heart and soul is Crash Bandicoot 4. I restarted it because I started it on my old account and I wanted to have it on my new account. And I got to where I stopped in like two hours and then I pushed through and I got through the whole story in like six hours. And now I'm playing the challenges and who doggy are they really freaking hard. Um, I thought he was I know a neither of you have really not a dog. Yeah, no, he's a dog. You, you wouldn't know. Um, so the thing about Crash, which is kind of similar to Donkey Kong Country, is um, the games kind of get harder in like a progressive order. So Crash 1 feels hard when you're playing it, and then it feels really easy when you go back and play it after you've played Crash 2 and 3. And Crash 4 just kind of picks up where the others leave off. It, the levels are super long, super punishing. There's all kinds of crap where they hide, like, 
a single crate and you need to break every crate to get like 100% and stuff. So you'll go through like an eight minute level, but you forgot the crate that's hidden behind a wall that you couldn't have possibly seen unless you went behind the wall and jumped up kind of crap. So um, I've been I've been churning my way through that. Some of the end game like challenge levels are so ridiculously hard that like I'm actually like, like you know when people talk about playing a game and like their palms are sweating from like playing so hard like I'm legitimately like palms are sweaty we knees weak knees mom's weak, spaghetti arms are heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 like like it is freaking brutal but I'm loving it it's so much fun it's a really fun hard challenge so I've just been enjoying that and I got to say too like from a story perspective really cool it's it's the fourth game it came out like freaking 20 years after the third game ended and just it's it's cool as a as a newly indoctrinated crash fan i really like it it does everything right it introduces a lot of characters back into the series it's fun it's whimsical you get to play as a bunch of cool guys it's it's nice i'm having a good time so um probably won't be 100%ing this game anytime in the next like 5 years but it exists and i'm working on it very 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 slowly so and those are kind of my big ones, believe it or not. I haven't been as busy as I thought I had been. But, you know, playing some games, playing some fun ones, playing some challenges and all that stuff. Dokapon Kingdom comes out next month, and I'm really excited for that. I want to play it, like, real hardcore. Um, but that's something for next month, I guess. Oh, there's one other thing real quick before we wrap up. It's another board game. I've been playing it at game night, but I've been playing it for, like, five weeks now, and I recommend it. It's called The Snallygaster Situation. It's basically Stranger What's Things, it? if Stranger Things was a board game. You're yeah. all 80s kids, and you have bikes and wheelchairs and rollerblades and skateboards, and you gotta ride around town and find the kid who's been taken by the monster and use the kid's psychic powers to defeat the monster. And it's a fun game, and I'd really recommend it if you have a group of, like, three or four other people that you want to play board games with it's entirely cooperative so nobody has to be the bad guy which is really satisfying and it's fun it's a it's a cool time so i'd also recommend that board game but yeah that's it that's all the stuff i've been playing so um with that i guess we will call it here I always feel weird when I'm the one who does change the system last because then I have to do the end of the show. And <laughs> it, it, you know, it's a thing. But uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Glad to be back. Hope you all enjoyed us. Hope you'll hear from us very soon. Uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. We'll do this whole thing again. Bye-bye! Bye-bye!